0: In New York, call 8778-Hope NY or text Hope NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 Plus, age varies by jurisdiction. in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG.com slash B-ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Woody City Gridiron, and I'm on the other line with E.J. Snyder, the site's lead draft analyst. E.J., are you over last Thursday night yet?
2: Eh, in a sort of hot, sort of emotional way. Am I worrying about it and losing sleep? No. So I guess I'm over it that way. Uh, do I have questions? Yeah, I, I have questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm not over the questions yet. They haven't
1: they haven't played again, right? No, I think we're going to spend some time today talking about some of those questions. But before we do, we are going to do a first on Bears Over Beers because it's not Bears Over Beers tonight. It is Bears Over Bourbons. Bum, bum, bum. We needed something a little stronger to take away the taste of that uh, loss on Thursday night. And so we decided that we are going to Well, bring uh, one of our favorite bourbons or at least a bourbon to showcase. And so I'm curious, you mentioned before we started recording that you have a football themed bourbon. I have no idea what that means. So Uh, uh, let's share with the group. And let's share with the group. So I was looking actually for a different bourbon that I'd purchased for a friend
2: of mine when I went to the store, but they didn't have it. However, they had another offering from the same distillery, which is local to me in Gig Harbor, Washington, just across the bridge. And they have batch number 12 bourbon whiskey and living here in the Pacific Northwest, 12s are pretty much famous as, as Seahawks fans and the the branding on the label is definitely a, um slightly off color dark blue twelve um to match that. Um and so I figured I'd pick it up. Uh it is Heritage Distilling Company and they say some fancy things about it, but let's be honest, it's bourbon and it's a small craft distillery, so I picked it up and that's what I'm
1: gonna be sampling tonight. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Lisa Seahawks won. They were my survivor pick for the week, and they <laughs> they survived. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, there's a close script. Yeah. Well, I've got, uh, I posted a picture of this on Twitter, but it's called Bib and Tucker, and it's... The reason why I bought it was because it was a really cool old-time bottle. Got a cork in the top. I'll try pretty much anything that says bourbon on it, uh, and, you know, I have. <laughs> um, this is from 35 Maple Street Spirits. It's in Kentucky, um, so it's, you know, it's a true Kentucky it's got bourbon. got the lineage, right? And I just kind of, I don't know, I've been very nostalgic this year with trying to document uh, a lot of Bears history and being a part of the Top 100 list and having... Uh, you know, new article series coming out about this, and so I thought, ah, eh, old timey bottle. Uh, let's let's do this. So uh, this one has a cork. So I'm taking off the cork, and I'm gonna pour myself a little bit into a nosing glass. It's actually a scotch glass that I have. Very nice. So I've got you know I've got all the uh, accoutrements. Yeah, you've got you got atmosphere, and you're creating
2: a scene. I'm I'm just drinking bourbon out of well i do have a fun glass but maybe i'll post a picture of the glass it's a it's a measured shot glass that goes up to uh four ounces and it says say when on it and it's got this little um sort of graph line drawing on the side denoting um now this is a very old glass it's from the 1940s i got it from my great grandmother and it says zero ounce for rabbits one ounce for for ladies and it has a sort of little olive oil looking stick figure with a cocktail in her hand and it has a gentleman and it says two ounces for gentlemen uh sitting there talking to her and then there's a picture of a pig and it says three ounces for pigs and then it goes up to the four ounce mark and it says four ounces
1: for jackasses so <laughs> okay <laughs> an interesting class for sure <laughs> yeah it's good times well, I, I'm a big bourbon fan. I have been th- through Kentucky a couple times. My wife and I did the Kentucky Bourbon Trail tour where you'd uh, visit, I think, five or six of the major distilleries. And then we've been to a couple more besides. Um, they all fight you know, to say, like, "Ah, bourbon is the only bourbon that does blah, blah, blah. XX and X. Yeah. Yes. And then we went to Jack Daniels, which is in Tennessee, uh, a couple years ago. And they were like, well, those people in Kentucky... They do it this way, <laughs> but we do it this Those way. Those people, and so right. it's funny because they're they're like, ah, don't drink bourbon, drink our sour mash. Whereas all the people in Kentucky are like, don't drink their bourbon, drink ours. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think that's kind of funny. But anyway, um, I do like bourbon, and this one's kind of fun. It Tastes a little different, it has kind of a earthy, like kind of nutty type flavor. So oh, nice, um, you know, just a little different, and it's a fun bottle, something cool to have on your shelf. So. Alright, we've got some, you know, hard liquor. Let's let's dive into this just monstrosity of a game from Thursday night. I want to start with Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. I think this was one of the worst games one of the worst called games I've ever seen. Uh finished the game, I think, with something like 35 straight passing calls. A couple of those were penalties, uh, but I think it was called a pass play 35 straight times. You'd have thought that we were down by three scores, but it was either four points or seven points, depending on where we were at in the game. Um, You know, I don't think he put Mitchell Trubisky in a position to succeed. He hid David Montgomery uh, in favor of trying to play a lot of players. We've seen that before from him, trying to get a lot of the depth chart onto the field. But I think he did this to his detriment this time. David Montgomery was clearly the better back and just did not have the snaps. And I I put this on Twitter. I think he, it seemed to me like he was playing like a frustrated kid in Madden and he's just calling like four verticals every play and just heaving it downfield because he's frustrated and he knows that if he's not going to get it his way, he's just going to shut the shut the PS4 off and try again later. Uh, that, that's <laughs> kind of the game that he seemed he was calling. F- felt very silly. One of the things that I really have a concern with is that he decided to not kick a 51-yard field goal and decided instead to go for it on 4th and 10, and it was middle of the third quarter when that happened, and if he would have kicked it and missed, he gives slightly better field position to the Packers. If he makes it, it's a 7-6 ball game, and you're in it to potentially win it with a field goal at 9-7, but uh, I just think really bad football decision there. Um, I I don't know. I hope somebody's in his ear on that. I I don't buy the idea that fifty yards was Panero's limit. I mean, we saw that guy kick. The guy's got a leg. Now maybe yeah. he's not the most accurate guy in the world, but length is not his issue. Distance is not going to be a problem for this guy. He can launch it. Um, and I just to me that was just coaching scared or coaching frustrated and thinking that you're going to get away with it. And I I don't know. It, it just It was one of the weirdest and worst performances that I have seen uh, from a head coach period, but certainly from Nagy in his short time as head coach. Would you you pick up from Nagy?
2: Yeah, my problem was that it started not well, so his scripted play sheet you know if you think he's got a script of anywhere between 10 and 20 that he's going to run didn't go well like we we didn't see a lot from that we did see a little bit of pop from david montgomery early which was promising but the rest of the offense really looked out of sync uh the offensive line wasn't giving trubisky a ton of support early on they had some great snaps and then they had some really inconsistent snaps which is bound to happen they didn't spend a lot of time playing together in the preseason but when you see that, and you see your quarterback struggling a little bit, what I expected or what I hoped for, what we talked about in our preview show is that he was going to make an adjustment there, and you know maybe simplify it, maybe go to some things that Trubisky really likes in terms of rollouts, you know, plan bootlegs, uses mobility, uh, you know, lean on Montgomery and and Davis a little bit more to, to pound the ball and and let his quarterback hand it off a couple times and sort of get his legs under him none of that happened. Like you said, It sort of intensified. And then where I really hoped it was going to happen was at the half because they'd done very little to make any noise offensively in the first half. And then they came out and actually went farther away from that, uh, stopped running almost altogether. Last run was five minutes into the last called run was five minutes into the third quarter. Uh, Again, very close ball game. And after that, just tons and tons and tons of passes, and it looked like it just snowballed on Mitch Trubisky. He he was feeling frustrated. Uh, he wasn't getting a lot of those completions to to build his confidence. There was a lot of lateral stuff out to the edges that sort of concerned me too. Lots of long throws out to the sideline for you know two yards or or met right at the line stuff. So it wasn't fooling the defense, and it just seemed like they just kind of banged their head against the wall harder, and that's probably what concerned me the most was the lack of adjustment and the sort of lack of realization of, Hey, this is what's actually happening. I, I wanted one thing to happen, but this is what's actually going on on the field. And I'm going to have to sort of sit on my hat here and change up my plan and see if, Hey, maybe we should give the rookie couple carries, see if I can soften up that defense, get him fired up on a, on a really physical run. And then maybe I'll work Trubisky into some, you know, shorter passes, tight ends, curls, hitches, um, Build his confidence with a couple of rollout completions and then see about asking him to, you know, go a little bit deeper into the playbook. It seemed like they just pressed right on deeper into the playbook and did none of that to kind of get the reins back on the game.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, there's a little bit of a well, whose fault was it? Well, there's a lot of people's fault, right? I mean, the offensive line has some blame in this. Um, There were some drops. I mean, Shaheen had a drop. Cohen had a drop. I think Gabriel had a drop. I don't know if that was uh, on a penalty or not, but I remember him dropping a ball he probably should have caught. I think Robinson probably could have came down with a ball that he ended up not. So there were plenty of drops. And I, you know, let's get into Trubisky. I, I think it's Nagy's responsibility to to help put Trubisky in the best position. Let's kind of put a bow on the the Nagy piece of this. But let's get into Trubisky. I, I just simply think he's not a complete quarterback yet. And I think he definitely showed his weakness, but he faced an average. I saw this stat, and then I lost it. I couldn't find it. It was an average of 5.6 or 5.8 defensive backs per play. And so if that's a real number, and again, I just saw it. Someone tweeted it out, and then I couldn't find it again. Um, But that's basically saying that most of the time he was facing six defensive backs. So a dime defense. And then the rest of the time he was facing nickel, which nickel is the 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 primary defense for most people which means five defensive backs five five cents nickel okay so what did he do well he threw underneath a lot because that's what you do when you've got a lot of defensive backs against you you're not gonna press it and so he was taking what was there and it wasn't getting first downs and okay what we should have been seeing is uh, as you say Nike flipping the script and trying to run more into those uh soft defenses but that didn't happen and then I think you're right. He sort of seemed to lock on to one target, which that's concerning. And then he seemed to get a little frustrated, had some balls sail on him, certainly that last drive every ball just seemed to sail. And the interception in the back of the end zone was really bad. He locked on Robinson, made the wrong read, threw a bad ball. Like everything about that throw and that read, the play, everything was bad. He had Cohen short uh tried to force it in there, and then threw a bad ball to besides. So I think a lot of it spiraled out of control for him, and I think there's a lot of concerning things. I also think that he could have been put in a much better position to succeed with a better play-calling mix. Um, what's your level of panic with Trubisky right now?
2: Well, I'm certainly not panicked because it's not like I bet my life savings on the Bears, but am I am I encouraged by what he showed in the first game of the year? And the answer is no, I'm discouraged. Uh, We heard a lot of talk about how much more comfortable he was. He certainly looked that way in camp when we saw him. Uh, He's got all these weapons. Uh, Nagy says, Oh, he's finishing my play calls just full confidence and sort of familiarity. Second year in the system with the people around you and the play calling. It didn't look at all like that. He looked like a scared high school quarterback that, wasn't familiar with all that stuff and had been thrust into the lineup last week when the starter broke his collarbone or something. It just, he didn't look poised. He looked almost exactly like he did at the beginning of last year. Um, and that brings up concerns about, hey, is is the light too bright? Is the pressure too hot? Um, does he... You know, we know he can perform in pressure situations. We've seen it. But with this much buildup and this much hype, and, and you know this from having been at camp and, and just being fairly close to the Chicago market, there, there's a lot of hype this year, like as much hype as I've seen in many, many years. And Did that sort of get on top of him and get in the way? I don't know. We're not in his head. But what I wanted to see from Trubisky was some poise, some accuracy, some command. Uh, all the things he showed in the first couple of days of camp when he was making it look easy, especially on the short to medium throws. And then, hey, if he was going to open it up deep, that'd be great. But really sort of keep on pace, right? And that's pace of the offense. So get a get a few yards on first down and just keep that offense on, schedule on so the schedule so that you schedule. weren't putting yourself in third and long and really adding to the pressure and then having a letdown. The other thing was he just didn't throw very well. His mechanics looked pretty good, pretty tight. They talked about that a lot on the broadcast. But we didn't see the that kind of rhythm, accurate couple throws strung together in a row until, uh, you know... To a third of the way through the fourth quarter was the first time you really saw sort of back-to-back or three or four throws in a row that looked like, okay, now he's got it, right? And then it fell apart again on him. So the consistency wasn't there, and a lot of things that we had seen flashes of and been told were present weren't present. That's the objective truth. So I'm not panicked, but you know both Nagy and, and Trubisky walked into House Hall on Friday, and they probably looked at each other and, and said – we got a lot of work to do, right? This, this is not a small climb. We're not going to fix this like today.
1: Yeah, I think when we talked about Trubisky in the, in the Trubisky episode, one of the things I said was growth is not linear. Growth is not linear for most of these guys, right? You're going to have some plateaus. You're going to have at some point a guy's not going to get any better. And towards the end of their career, obviously, their, their physical skills start to wane. And I said, you know, what are you thinking? Like he's not going to regress in year three. He's not gonna regress in year two in this offense. Like yeah, right. sure, maybe he'll plateau a little bit before he, he gets better. I can see that. Again, growth is not linear. And then I saw a regression. <laughs> like I saw
2: yeah. like No, very clearly. I'd say it, it, yes. I'd say you're absolutely right. There's no other way to look at that and say that he performed like Anybody expected, and that's like he expected of himself. Certainly, in all his offseason interviews, nobody's going to say that. And I really do think he was surprised by how that happened. Certainly, the way Nagy thought he was going to progress was not in evidence. And you know, unrealistic or not, the fans had a massive sort of appetite for progression, and we saw very little of that. So, it's tough objectively to look at that performance and say anything except wow, you're in the bottom third of quarterbacks right now, maybe even like the bottom fifth of quarterbacks with that performance. What are you going to do? Do I think he's going to stay there? No, we've seen him play much better. I mean, I think about the playoff game in Philadelphia, or with Philadelphia. And, you know, he's performed under pressure, and he has strung those things together. But he can't wait to the fourth quarter, and quite frankly, he can't wait to the fourth quarter of the season. You know, he's going to have to show it in the next couple of weeks.
1: No, it needs to get better fast because there's some good yeah. opponents. And one coming up, and we're going to, you know, a tough a tough assignment, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's, let's do one more. Or I think you, you've got one extra one, but I have one more point that I wanted to make about some negatives that I wanted to highlight, but lack of the running game and a lack of play action. And it was pretty obvious that they weren't going to run the ball, but one of the things that really stood out when I rewatched this on Friday was the lack of play action. And... I was getting a lot of people coming at me on Twitter like, well, you have to run the ball well before play action will work. Not sure the numbers actually bear that out. I think there's they actually don't. some pretty good stats that show actually play action works whether or not you're running games going well. And you'll see it, actually. There's, there's plenty of teams. The Patriots, Michelle had, you know, uh, yard and a half per carry or something like that. They kept doing right. it because they know how important that is to keep pounding it f- for their, them to at least respect the idea of a play action pass. And, of course, Brady does play action quite well, but so does Mitchell Trubisky. And so I, the thing that drove me nuts was that probably the best throws that I saw Trubisky make on Thursday night were on play action passes. A couple of the mm. RPOs that he pulled and threw were good, but the actual called play action passes, he had some of his most confident and best throws of the night. And when you watch Dak Prescott, when you watch Lamar Jackson, when you watch... Patrick Mahomes calling 40, 50% of their pass, called pass plays as play action. I really hope Nagy took that lesson. I really hope that he figured out that he needs to help his quarterback a little bit. And the, the, the Ringer guys talked about this. Uh, so Mays and, and Kevin Clark were talking about this in the offseason, and they were talking to Kirk Cousins. And Cousins was saying something effective, that he really likes play action. He likes turning his back to the defense, basically because it's too much to process, when He drops back with the whole field, and so he can really sh- shut, uh, uh, close down that processing time, and he can make better, faster decisions. And I, I feel like I see that with Trubisky. He doesn't have to process the whole field. He's probably not mature enough in his football intelligence to be there yet. And when he's able to just run some play action, he's able to process quickly and get the ball out of his hands. Um, I assume that you agree with me on the play action thing, but do you have anything to add? I absolutely agree with you. I I think Cousins' uh,
2: reason for liking it is interesting. Um, the reason I would like it if I was a quarterback and, and Mays has talked about this at length, Robert Mays has talked about this at length, and another guy that talks about it at length is Doug Farrar, and they say the same thing. Play action, and the people they talk to in the league say the same thing even more importantly, which is play action regardless of you whether you have any threat of a running game holds the linebackers for a half a step for a half a second and that gives you a bigger window as a quarterback so even if they know you're not going to run it they can't they can't just drop straight into pass coverage when you're motioning to the running back their head tells them despite that that they've got a hold for just that half a tick and it opens up windows so i would run it either way yes i'm i'm with you on play action yes they need to run it more and i think it's interesting with play action, but I think Nagy had too much motion in his offense. He had a lot of motion that basically got the snap count really low, um, very often. And I understand they're using that to diagnose what the defense is going to do and how it's going to flex and react, but he used motion all the time. And then there was this tremendous lack of play action to mesh with that. And I think motion's got to come down a little bit. So again, execution's a little bit straighter and then, you know, add some play action in there and give give Mitch just an extra half second. Why would you not do that?
1: Yeah, it's like let's tie one behind hand behind my back. Uh, you know, while I do this, like y- y- there are easy calls to make. Get your guy in rhythm. He clearly wasn't in rhythm. For maybe all but one one and a half drives of that game.
2: Yeah, I would say that's about right.
1: Do something nice. Was yeah. there a screen so, called? Do something nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Did you see a screen called at
2: all? Uh, I saw a lot of disguised screens that were really just kind of lateral runs way out to the edge. They called a lot of those, and they got almost nothing on any of them. Almost every one of those got snuffed out, and actually was several of them were contested catches, which for no yards or a loss of a yard or a gain of a yard doesn't really matter. That's a lot of risk for they had nothing like the Packers were not having it. They were not fooled. I was like, stop calling that play or any variant of that play. It's not working. Do
1: something else. All right. I, I think I've beat my play action point to the ground. Uh, You had one more, one more point you wanted to make. I
2: had, uh, yeah, I had one more, which was a, what went wrong. And that's the, The outside corners which we've talked about um in the lead up to the season as um you know good for now but not a lot of depth there and they had a very hot and cold night they both made some very good plays um fuller again on the opposite side of those sort of widescreen passes coming up tackling very um heavily uh he loves contact as a corner even though he plays off and prince had a couple of good breakups as well but they both had lapses uh amukamara got burned on the long pass across the middle uh wasn't able to keep up with with Devonte adams and there was another uh play later on where he again was just exposed for his lack of long speed they had a very up and down night they had some hot plays and they had some very cold plays and and don't think the league didn't see that um you know, maybe they already knew it. amukamara has been around a long time, but he looked like he's dropped off a bit in top end speed. And that's a thing when you're an outside corner. So I would expect him to get picked on uh, in that way where they're really going to have to stretch his speed. They're, you know, if somebody's good at beating the press, um, they're going to go after Mukumara that way because he likes to press, play up near the line. But if they get by him, he's not able to to catch up his his catch-up speed's not great so something to keep an eye on moving forward and and i wouldn't doubt uh, i think i tweeted out something during the game like you know 2020 high round pick for the bears is going to be a is going to be a big outside corner um very likely yeah
1: definitely
2: kind of probably was anyways yeah, but yeah. um if if they keep it up like this could be yeah likely. i think
1: i've always kind of thought corner was pretty high but we're, we're not looking we're not looking there yet we're not i can't let you get, in the, get into not the film room yet nope all right, we're going to flip it around because what what are the what are the silver linings here? Um, to me, the defense looks salty. At least we got that part right. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure what more we need to really say besides the fact that you know, Pagano, man, he's bringing a more aggressive approach, resulted in five sacks. There was a sixth that did not count due to penalty. I think it was a defensive hold that negated it. There were three to four that were sure close, um, and there's that one that Rodgers – absolutely looked like he was in the grasp and throwing it away and somehow it was okay because it was rogers um they were not able to get any turnovers and i think that's kind of something that no one's talked about Uh, they 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 limited rogers so well in this game he had a couple nice plays and i gotta say like we feared one of the big plays was a broken down play another one was this play-action rollout. (laughs) And I was like, can you call that for Trubisky? Okay. Um, Right. (laughs) uh, So I I guess what my point is that the turnover is going to be there when you're playing lesser competition. You know, not everybody's Aaron Rodgers. He's still a very good quarterback. And so uh, he's very good at limiting his turnovers. He did have that fumble by Hawkland Dix, yeah, that was hey, a lucky man bounce it right just, back in. That's just the ball being oblong, but uh. that that ball
2: was clearly out. It was a forced fumble. He didn't just drop it. It was definitely a forced fumble. So that's just a. And we talked about this uh, in one of our preview shows about how many, you know, how many turnovers do we think? I think we're talking about AD Jackson at the time, and and the fumble bit was like, well, fumbles are really fickle, and that was a perfect example of that.
1: So crazy, five bears standing around, and he is able to bounce
2: right back the to all
1: like you, you know, hop back up maybe you know half his torso hops back up and the ball's right there for him uh it's so frustrating because of course that happened uh of course so that that's you know i think we're okay on defense like i think we're going to be pretty darn good and i'm really interested to see just how many stats how many sacks these guys can stack up the other silver lining i had was alan robinson i mean we, we talked about it ad nauseum throughout the off season, but Man, he looks good. Uh, I think we nailed this one. Yeah, Trubisky stared him down a little bit. Yeah, that's an issue. Yes, he might see some additional attention because of that. But, man, he was making plays. He's a legit number one. I feel really good about our 1200, my 1,200-yard 1200 prediction. I think you might have even been a little higher. So, feeling good about Robinson. Yeah, he looked every
2: bit what we thought he was going to be, and he was whooping his guy. And he, he played a couple of different cornerbacks throughout the night and he beat them all and i tweeted out something during the game about you know he's gonna whoop whoever he goes against somebody said well not with this quarterback and i'm like that's not what i'm talking about he's gonna win his individual matchups because he is ready and i'm i'm not sure i'll have to go back and rewatch. you said earlier you thought he dropped a ball i didn't think he did i thought he caught everything that was near him so i mean there was one
1: over the middle i don't think it was a great ball but he got his hands on it and i think he probably Mm -hmm. could have brought that one down
2: yeah, but he looked – I'm with you. He looked absolutely locked in, and that's really good. Back to the defense for just a minute, there was also, you know, I would say five easily confirmable holding calls, um, which is we're, – we're used to that against the Packers, but there was an egregious chokehold. Uh, there was a very solid grab of the shoulder pad up near the neck, uh, you know, and these are these are all on Mac, um, And some of those are not going to get, they're either going to get called as holds against other teams or the, the players not be quite. So the offensive line is not going to be quite so ballsy and actually try it. And Mac or quite frankly, one of the other rushers, Floyd looked great. A lot of people aren't talking about that. And Roy Robertson Harris, just mashed people all night long so um i think it's going to be a big year and those numbers are going to increase because again not all quarterbacks are as savvy or mobile as rogers and not all tackles are let's just call it as savvy as Bakhtiari and blaga so um when they get a lesser pair of tackles or a less mobile quarterback um it's gonna be a long day yeah sign me
1: up for six seven or eight sacks every week Sure. That'd be great. I'd love Uh, it. You have one more silver lining. I do. And that's Montgomery looks ready to
2: contribute in both phases. I know he's a rookie, but he had several very tough runs. He definitely showcased his ability to slip tackles. He led the nation in CF in college football. Um, brackets in that category forced missed tackles nobody else was really close he was the clear number one and he's able to do it in the pros which is awesome showed a lot of toughness on those runs but the big catch over the middle um, when he ran that little digger out right down the middle and caught sort of caught it and ended up spinning around running and sort of falling over with it. That's not a play that, um, his predecessor Jordan Howard was ever going to make. Um, Howard was a decent receiver. He's not making that play and Montgomery made it in his first play as a pro in his first game as a pro. So, um, he looks ready to go. And I think they're going to have to take the wraps off him a little bit quicker than maybe they want to as a rookie. who's also competing very physically in pass protection, which is what's going to get and keep a rookie on the field. Um, projecting Trubisky when he's not getting handed the ball. And he looked ready, I guess, in all three phases, if you want to call it that. And that's that's big news. That's the acid test. Of course, a lot of people thought he was there, but the difference between, you know, the difference between we used to say paper and dirt is, you know, you draw it up one way and how does it really show up on the field? He showed up on the field in all three phases.
1: Yeah, 100%. He looked great and had that nice run where he showed off that contact balance, had that nice catch like he talked about, and he was a willing blocker. And so <clears> – <throat> you know, let's maybe not target Mike Davis six times in the pass game next week. That's
2: I think you'll see that. I think you'll see that shift, and again, it's going to be a, a balance that works its way in. Davis looked very good running with power, too, um, and is a, a solid catcher i i wouldn't put him up as a tremendous receiver but um the combination of those two guys feel really good about it um we just have to use them more i mean
1: that
2: has got to call some plays so that chicago can get the ball into their hands uh to get some balance and give trubisky some breathing
1: room. yeah and let, you know at the risk of sounding like an old school football guy right now a lot of times runs running the running game takes some time it takes some time to wear down, right? So if it doesn't work right away, that's fine, because it you just keep hammering it. You keep hammering. A guy gets in a groove, uh, you know. The offensive linemen start to impose their will, and offensive linemen love run blocking. You know, pass blocking is fine. But they love run blocking, and so
2: yeah, the, the Bears' line's built it, for
1: that too. For uh, a lot of times, you get you know very.
2: Um, Uh, light-in-the-pants pass blockers in the current NFL because they're going to be pass blocking a whole lot more. Uh, than they are run blocking. The The Bears line's not that way. Like, Massey is a big, strong guy. Obviously, we've talked about Kyle Long a ton. He's a mauler. White hair, same thing. Country strong, wrestling background, loves to get on top of people. Um, Daniel's bulked up tremendously in the offseason and looks ready to push the pile as well. Um, Leno, I think, is a decent run blocker, but probably the the least good of the bunch, but he's not bad at it. So you got four out of five who are really good at it and one who's decent. They're ready. They want to run guys over. So let's do it a little bit. Soften up those, soften up those rushers. Let the offensive linemen get their shots in on those guys, and and let Montgomery take his shot at the second level because he's shown capable of using it.
1: All right. Well, speaking of shot, you said give him a shot. I'm gonna finish this shot of whiskey. We are going to close the book on this game, and we're gonna move forward to look at the Broncos game. But before we do, we're gonna take a quick break for an ad. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings
2: are
0: waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price price line
1: All right, e j. Let's get into this Denver game. Uh, let's last, do it. Last week, we talked about three keys to success and three things we're worried about. and then we there was sort of some overlap, and I think it's one of those, like, Well, you can kind of take this both ways, and so we're just going to cut it down to three, particularly since we talked for an hour, previewing the Packers game. We don't want to do that again. So we limited ourselves to three each. So for me, I'm going to start off, I think it has to start with Matt Nagy. Uh, We've talked before about how we fear Vic Fangio knows how to push Trubisky's buttons. I think that's absolutely true, but I also think that Matt Nagy should know know, what Vic is all about. He should know what makes him tick, and so... I think this game is so much about Matt Nagy putting Mitchell Trubisky in a position to succeed because he knows what Fangio wants to do with that Denver defense against him. So that's my number one key to success is Matt Nagy having a good game plan and being willing to change it on the fly to f- figure out what works.
2: Yeah, until we see that one change, I think that's just going to be our number one game for <laughs> We need to we need to see Nagy demonstrate that. Just like we need to see Trubisky demonstrate things on the field, we have to see Matt Nagy demonstrate things on the sideline and in the locker room at halftime. And when he starts to do that consistently and call a game plan that really plays to the strength of his team, um, I think we'll see things turn around pretty quickly. But until then, it's kind of a wait and see. Like, show me, right? It's the Missouri of of the NFL. Show me, show me, you can do it. I I know you can mentally. I know you're capable. Um, do it when the lights are on and that's going to stay that way for a while. I think my, you know, key after that is, um, I really think the defense is going to mash Denver's
1: offense.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Flacco's not particularly mobile. He's not been good for several years. He didn't look very good against the Raiders. Uh, the Broncos are down a starting offensive lineman, um, we just talked about what happens when the Bears' defense, as as rabid as it looks right now, comes up against a depleted line with a less mobile quarterback, and they're looking at a depleted line with a less mobile quarterback. I think the Bears' defense feasts against the Denver offense and and maybe even knocks, knocks Flacco out of the game. So it'll be interesting to see just how much and how quickly they can, they can
1: knock that offense out because I, I think they're going to. Yeah, my, actually, my third key I have, if nothing else, win the game on defense. Take the ball away from Flacco and score. Um, I think it's time for the Bears defense to pile up more sacks and start the turnover parade. That's exactly what I think needs to happen. Like, I think we might be getting a little bit of a, I think we're due for an over, maybe an overcorrection, but certainly a correction from last week's play calling. I mean, we talked about it a lot so far. Um, but I think that, he's got to be willing to grind out a victory here. And I think that also starts with your amazing defense and just absolutely destroying worlds. Because, like you said, Joel Flacco, he had one very nice playoff run, the Ravens. Cashed in with a very nice contract. Obviously has a Super Bowl. Great career, good for him. Um, Not a great quarterback right now. And not exactly showing it for Denver, and I don't think he's putting fear into the hearts of any Bears defender, this is one of those games, kind of like back in the Erlacher days, where it's like, we need to score on defense. We need to to do everything we can. Because on the flip side of it, there's a very good defense that we're going to be playing. I know they didn't show it against the Raiders. I get that. But there are some really talented players on that Broncos defense. And it's just a matter of time before they start to get some stuff going on. And I don't want to be dropping back uh 50 times i don't want trubisky to be dropping back i'm not gonna drop back at all but i don't want trubisky to drop back 50 times and to face bradley chubb and von miller i don't i don't want that at all and so um the other key that i have i'll just go r- for it. run the effing ball that's yeah. that's my key dave montgomery was your top pick in the draft you traded up to get him give him carries mike davis looked good give him carries put Tariq in the backfield and give him carries, like yeah, we haven't we haven't talked
2: about that yet, but that's absolutely the case. Is you need to run Tariq Cohen. He was in, he was lined up in the backfield for I think four snaps and didn't have a rush uh, out of the backfield. So uh, I don't like the the Tariq Cohen slot receiver iteration. I I think. You put him in and flex him out, and that gives him the matchup. If you if you put him out and he's matched up on a nickel back or a dime back, straight up, it negates some of that quickness um, advantage that he's got. Whereas if you put him in the backfield, they're most likely going to put one of their inside backers on him, and very few inside backers in the league can cover him. So you get a better advantage whether or not you keep him there. And if you do keep him there, we've seen what he can do—you know, attacking and defense just with a handoff so i'd say run those three guys platoon them it is at altitude it is early in the season you know give them all give them all 10 carries and and see what happens and spread it out keep them fresh have the line really get into their run blocking groove i'd love to see a you know kyle long bobby massey double team on von miller and really you know, get on that guy. He's he's not a spring chicken and he loves pass rushing. And if he's got to stand up against two big heavies that really want to drive him into the dirt, that gets old real quick. Um Chubb is a little bit more stout, uh, as a run defender just physically, but go after the weak the I don't want to call Von Willer the weak side because that's not really true, but go after the smaller side and really, you know, get after him and run Montgomery out and make him, if he's going to defeat the double team block and slide through, he's still got to get Montgomery down and Montgomery's not going to go down easy. So I I think that's a, and Davis, the same way Davis likes to hammer as well. So it's going to be a key that says that's great. And the other thing about that Denver defense is the pass rushers who we mentioned are amazing. Um, the linebackers are pretty good. Uh, the secondary did not look good. And so, again, this is the place where you've got a guy like Robinson who's looking really good and press Robinson on those corners, move him around, put him in the slot, get him favorable matchups and get him the ball because he's got the potential to make some hay for those. Again, after you run the ball, some of those play action passes, the Denver secondary did not look um, as crushing as it has in years past. And guess who's out for this game?
1: Bryce Callahan. That's right.
2: Mr. Bear, Bryce Callahan is not available for this game, which Bears fans are familiar with. So, again, another advantage uh, for the Bears when they do decide to pass. But, again, I want that to be a, a balanced option, either 50-50 or, or maybe even a little bit, you know, 60-40 because get that run going. Um Because you can physically sort of wear down those pass rushers and then, you know, have Robinson have some of those breakout throws when you've got really good, strong bites on play action because Montgomery and Davis have been pounding out, you know, four and five yards of carry.
1: Let me circle back to your point about the altitude. And I think it's an important one for everybody to understand is that Denver at home in September has been basically unbeatable, even with like. Even with just like not very good teams, they still win in September, and so they have this advantage. I don't, I don't know that I really get like why it's not an advantage all year round. I'm not, I guess I don't know enough about altitude differences, or maybe like fields slow down a little bit, or guys are in game shape. I, I have no idea. I don't really get it. And I will just mention personal story. I am not a professional athlete. I am far from it. So let's get that on the table right That's now. Right. But I do run half marathons, and I have run in altitude. I've run in Colorado. I've run in Montana. I've run in Utah. And when I was able to acclimate for a full week in Utah, I ran quite well. When I was out the day before in Montana, it was like I was running in quicksand, and I couldn't really go any. I mean, I'm slow to begin with, but I was much slower than I would have liked to be. It just felt like I I couldn't get it going. And I ran in Denver last summer and i was there for a week in denver and then i ran in the foothills which was another additional you know 1500 2000 feet and i just felt kind of terrible the whole time and i mean i finished but again didn't it wasn't pretty and so this thing's real i mean a lot of people travel a lot of people experience it you know you walk up a you know flight of stairs like, oh why am i so winded or you know you drink a beer and you're Really Still feeling it in Colorado team, yeah. for some reason, but um, the, I think it, it's a real thing. And so I don't know if the Bears went out early. I don't know what they're doing, try to try to negate some of that. But that's it's real. What I what I think is interesting is that the Broncos played on Monday night, so they they have a short week. They played late Monday night uh, too, got a later start, and then the the Bears had a Thursday game, so they've got like a ten day recovery. And so maybe a little bit of that helps equal things out but the altitude thing is no joke like they they are going to feel this so um don't gloss over that that's a really important factor and it's the reason why i've been worried about this game from the beginning is that vic fangio and altitude it just kind of scares me so do you have any other keys to success you wanted to cover
2: uh i just want to see the team not try and overcompensate. I want him to get back to some basics and not say, hey, we need to right every wrong that we had in week one. We just need to get better, right? Nagy needs to call plays better. Trubisky needs to put up a more unified front, um, scan the field a little bit better. For, for lack of a better term, just relax, because he's going to play a little bit better if he relaxes. And the things are going to play together. The defense just can sort of keep going. That's fine. I think they can get ready to tee off a little bit, but I don't want to see the offense try and overcompensate and kind of get back into that Madden mode. You were talking about where they're, uh, you know, desperate for big chunk plays. They were super close in the Packers game the entire time and then didn't play like it. And I think that just made problems worse. I need them to kind of take one series at a time. I know it's totally cliche and say, what can we do to execute on this series that makes us better than last week? Can we, can we mix it up a little bit? Can we, you know, Can I, Trubisky, throw the ball a little bit better? Can I, you know, stay clean of my reads? Can the line block people and not let jailbreaks occur like they did last week? Like, everybody's, you know, it's back to the Bill Belichick thing, right? Do your job, right? Everybody's got to do their job just a little bit better, and I think if they do that, the some of the parts is going to be greater. They may not blow Denver's doors off, but I think they probably can compete in game despite the September history in Denver. They just all have to do it really, especially on the offensive side and kind of do it together. But I don't want to see them try and overdo it or get really disappointed if it doesn't happen quickly. If they go down, you know, seven points, say on the opening drive, let's, let's not, let's not panic. Let's just march out and see what we can do, you know, play after play drive after drive and, and not make some really egregious mistakes that we made in week one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Back to some fundamentals and try to grind out even if it's not pretty, you know. Don't don't have to <clears throat> play the the perfect game, just play a really good game and you're better on paper and you should you should win those. So, okay, well, that leads us into our prediction why the Bears will win or lose this game. I've really gone back and forth on this. Uh as I said, I this game has worried me, but um for me, why the Bears will win. Um I think that despite the bad break of playing Denver in September, uh, in Denver in September, I just think they have the better defense, and I actually think that they have the better offense, even taking into account this debacle from last Thursday. I think it's going to be a bit of a grinder, because I think the one thing you want to do against Denver is not expose yourself to those to those rush uh, great rushers that they have. But... I think the, the defense steps up, makes some big plays against Flacco, who, you know, I think, I don't know how many more games Joe Flacco is going to play in the NFL. Mm. Um, maybe it's just one. Maybe, maybe <laughs> the Bears send him, send him home uh, because he might not want to finish this game out. But, you know, this is a guy that's just kind of playing out the, the last part of the string on the last part of his career. Um, to me, this feels like take the under. This feels like a 13-6, 17-6 kind of day um somewhere in there that that's the kind of game i think we gotta grind out and start to rebuild some confidence and hopefully establish some things make some things look good turn some clock you know really feature those running backs um that's that's kind of the game i'm thinking that's that i'm envisioning and that's what i'm hoping for is is a a nice bears victory but a low scoring one at that what about you I'm thinking of Bears'
2: victory, and I think it's probably because of the differential between the Bears' defense and the Broncos' offense, which I led off with. But if you think about what they did to the Packers, and again, that's the defensive side of the ball, not the offensive side of the ball for the Bears. They are playing uh, you know some very solid players on offense, right? Uh, and a much better quarterback, which makes... A lot of difference in the nfl and basically played him to a standstill he got one drive with a heave that took up about 40 yards and then a jump ball to jimmy graham and that was the only score that occurred so if they can play a a stacked offense or or at least a very solid pro offense let's put it that way to a standstill uh what are they going to do against a depleted line and a quarterback that is in isn't in Aaron Rodgers' stratosphere, Uh, I think the differential there is the Bears are really going to cause some havoc. They're going to beat up the quarterback. They're going to limit games. They're going to keep the Broncos off schedule. And then they might start to generate some of those turnovers as well. Now, whether or not those turn into scores would be great if they did. That could certainly swing the game quickly. But I really do think the Bears' defense is going to bury the Broncos' offense, not just play it to a standstill. Then again, like we said, if the offense plays decently and puts up you know, 13 points, 14 points. Like, I think that's going to be plenty because I don't see them. I don't envision them letting Denver score that much. So I think that's going to be the difference. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair on on offense for the Bears. Um, but I'm going to say a, a close victory for the Bears, even
1: with the September record. I think the the Vegas line for over-under 40... or something like that. I think it's the lowest of the week and I'm still really tempted to just take the under. I just, I think it's, it was kind of like the jets bills game last week. I took the under there and I just never really feared them crossing the 43 point threshold there. Um, yeah, yeah and I, I kind of just have this feeling that this this is the kind of game that it's going to be. Of course, you know uh, things surprise you. Don't, don't get me wrong, but um this, uh, this one kind of has the makings of a of an old school grinder. So, all right, well, oh, I have one more for the
2: Bears. <laughs> Put Cordero Patterson in the box. <laughs> yes. Put him on the shelf. Yeah. Right. I if I was he and his coaches, I I think you probably are in agreement with me here. But we saw a more of Cordero Patterson than we thought in terms of snap counts and usage. Um, I was not expecting that. It was not effective in any part of it. And if I was Nagy, again, going back into House Hall on Friday after that game, I would look at my offensive coaches and I would say, look, we have 45 snaps of Cordero Patterson on offense for the rest of the year. Sprinkle them in where you want them but don't go over 50. I don't want to see more than 50 snaps total. Run or pass, I don't care. Gadget play, you do whatever. But on the mainline offense, I don't want to see Cordero Patterson for more than 50 snaps. Use him as a change of pace, not the pace. Because everybody that's tried to use him as a mainline starting player, especially as a wide receiver, has failed. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think the Bears are going to succeed. So that would be the one more for me is just put him in the box, Pull him out when you need a change of pace, do something interesting But that the terrible run on third and one. Like he never had a chance because the the Packers D tackle beat Whitehair cleanly and badly. But when you have Davis and Montgomery in the backfield for third and one and you run Cordell Patterson, I, I, I really have to
1: question your wisdom. He's not a running back. Don't put a running back in to give you a one yard gain. Like I I don't get it. No, no, it was crazy. And yeah. he was running routes on the field. I I he Nagy was seduced by the physical presence of Cordero Patterson. It's happened to a lot of coaches. And that's why a lot of coaches mm-hmm. eventually get frustrated and jettison him because it's like, well, he's not meeting the expectations that I have for him. You know, Belichick used him right. Yeah. And that's really what you have to do is just say, you know, this guy's, you know, a four to six kinda play guy and that's it. And we're gonna use him for this and that's it. And we're gonna use him on kick returns and that's it. Like don't try to make him into something he isn't, and absolutely, 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like the ninth thing on my list from that game, yeah. but yeah, definitely made my list. Yeah. So how was your bourbon? You know, it's really good. I, we've made cocktails with it. You know, we we like Manhattans in this house a lot. old fashions are pretty good, too, so it's actually not bad for that because it just gives kind of a little different flavor. Um, but I just had it neat. Yeah. Um, the no water, no ice, anything like that. Just had it neat, and it's it's really good, really solid. I think it runs somewhere in the fifty dollar range of bottles, so it's a little expensive for a bourbon, but it's quite tasty, and I think it's uh yeah you know, it's it's a fun one to to highlight. I don't know how hopefully we're not doing this very often. Um, you know, maybe we'll <laughs> uh, do I'm some celebration moment. bourbons or celebration scotch or somewhere down the road, yeah. but uh, yeah, we don't want to be doing this too often. But um, fun one to highlight. So what about yours? Uh, Ran a little bit
2: clearer, uh, lighter, uh, than I typically like a bourbon. I like bourbon to be a little bit more Brown and a little bit hotter, uh, sort of on the mouth feel than I would like. I like a, a bit smoother, a bit higher in the sugar, I suppose. Um, and the other one that I was actually looking for from this distillery was one that was aged in oak barrels and then finished in vanilla barrels. And that was a very nice balance oh. to the smokiness, which is why I was after it. And that one had that, um, not sweet finish, but more balanced finish. This is definitely leading towards, you know, a lighter bourbon that finishes a little bit hotter. I had it with one piece of ice, uh, which was about right, cooled off a little bit, but, uh, you know, as it warms up, The water helps a little bit, but um, not my favorite, but I I know plenty of people that love bourbon and will probably like the balance of the bottle. And I'll try and go find that vanilla one because I do like that one, both straight and mixer. But, you know, again, fun, fun little uh, one off. We were going to do it later in the season, but it just kind of felt like the right thing to do after the opening game.
1: Yeah, uh, you might have to send me a bottle of that. Let's talk offline. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll
2: see what I can do. I know it uh, runs right towards your taste, so I figured you figured you'd enjoyed that. I was trying to find it, but yeah. So uh, as we get going, we'll continue these preview episodes. Of course, follow the podcast uh, at Bears Over Beers on Twitter. Jeff is at Gridiron Born i am at the draftsman fb uh anyways we're gonna bring you the previews uh we hope that the bears uh can celebrate a glorious victory in denver but until then uh bear down